1: this is the show where I bring you the best tips, tactics, and strategies for using paid traffic to grow your business on autopilot. You also hear what's working and not working right now from the top minds in online marketing so that you can get more leads and sales every day without having to empty your wallet in the process. All right, let's jump into it. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Art of Pay Traffic Podcast. Rick Mulready here. Really appreciate you for giving me your time today. Hope all's going well. Whatever you're up to, I am getting over a nasty flu. So if I am sniffling my way through uh, this uh, intro here, I apologize in advance. But uh, this is episode number 167. And on the show today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. In that I'm being joined by two guests, Ethan Sigmund and Jared Bentley. Now, if you have been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, you might recognize the name Ethan Sigmund. He was my guest back on episode number 83, where we talked about how to create high converting Instagram ads. Well, Jared hired Ethan to run Facebook ads for his business. And today we're going to dive into how they're using a Facebook video ads strategy. To sell fitness DVDs. And we're going to talk about a lot of different things today here, Um, like the big changes that Jared made to improve the success of his ads. This really kept him from moving on to other. Platforms and one of these tweaks that we're going to talk about here today, uh, that he made to the Facebook to his Facebook ads literally allowed him to make a million dollars in revenue because of this one tweak. So we're, we're going to be sharing what this tweak is. We're going to be talking about all the different changes that Jared made to improve the success of his Facebook ads prior to even bringing on Ethan to run those ads and by the way jared comes from a an infomercial background and uh, selling things on tv so it's really we we dive into sort of the mindset that he brought from the infomercial side and how that translated or didn't translate uh, onto the Facebook advertising side. So we kind of dive into that. That's a really interesting conversation. And we also talk about how their Facebook ads account got shut down. Jared's account got shut down. We talk about why it got shut down. And then also the steps that they took to get it reactivated. We talk about a wide range of topics here today, guys, including the nitty-gritty of how they're now spending upwards of $6,000 a day On Facebook ads, and when we when we we get to that level in the conversation here today, it does get a little bit more advanced. But I'm really excited to bring you this conversation because of sort of the wide breadth of things that we talked talk about. Everything from beginner type stuff to more advanced stuff, and how they're spending so much money per day and seeing the success of what they're doing. So uh, we dive into all that today. Before we do dive into it, do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone right now of your listening to the podcast here and tag me over on Instagram. I am at Rick Mulready on Instagram. Tag me in that photo because I want to personally respond to you. And thank you so very much for listening to the podcast here. Really appreciate it. All right. Without further ado, let's jump right into it and go hang out with Jared and Ethan. Ethan and Jared, welcome to the podcast. How are you guys doing? Good,
2: good. You're doing well.
1: Thank you. Doing great. Haven't done a, uh, haven't done two guests on the same on the uh, during the same episode here. I think I've done it one other time, uh, and I want to kind of do it again with you guys because I've been talking to each of you individually um, over email over the past couple months here about what you guys are up to um, with your Facebook ads and so forth. Ethan, you are previous guest here of the show. Back on, I looked it up right before we got live here. Episode number eighty three: How to create high converting Instagram ads. Uh, which was a lot of fun and i 'm really excited to have you back on uh, the show jared it 's great to, uh, to great to connect with you for the first time here for this interview and we 're going to be diving into really Jared how you are selling your the, 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 not your but fitness DVDs that you had partnered with somebody on I want interest, to i 'm interested in learning more about how that partnership came about and the role that Ethan is playing with with scaling this business but so why don 't we first start with um, why don 't you guys introduce yourselves tell us a little bit about your um, about yourself, what you're up to and kind of how you got to, to where you are today.
2: Sure. Uh, thank you, Rick, for having us. My name is Jared Bentley. Uh, from a background standpoint, I've been, uh, uh, marketing, uh, for about 15 years. Primarily I've been producing infomercials. So most of the marketing that I'd done had been on television and, uh, from a television standpoint, so much of the things that used to work 10 years ago just don't work anymore. Mm-hmm. media is becoming prohibitively costly. Um, the things that, are, that used to be able to be able to go out and work just don't anymore. So I've been looking for avenues to market products outside of television. And that's when I really started getting into following a couple of different podcasts and trying to really get a grasp on how you could market products online. So that's a little bit about my background.
1: Awesome. Yeah.
3: My name is Ethan Sigman. I've been kind of running Facebook ads and Instagram ads and just doing a lot of internet marketing in general for about the past uh, five to seven years. Um, kind of got introduced to Jared through um, somebody who referred him to me for he was running some Facebook ads and needed some advice and uh, they, they mentioned my name and he reached out and so kind of gave him some advice on some things he was doing there. And then uh, later on came in and and started taking things off of his plate because things were growing and and he wanted to focus on, uh, you know, the things that he does best of creating the products, scaling the products and and things like that there. And so came in and and helped run a lot of the Facebook ads here for uh, this product that, that he's been building and growing
1: yeah so Jared, um thank you guys for that so Jared tell us tell us like what about this about this uh this fitness dVD product. you said it's not your own, you partner with somebody else. Tell us a little bit more about what what it is and then also how that partnership came about.
2: Yeah. So the partnership is, the body. The, the product is called Body Groove. Uh, a girl by the name of Misty Tripoli, she and I had done an infomercial about 10 years ago and it didn't work, but we had stayed in touch. And she reached out to me recently that she had filmed a set of new fitness DVDs and wanted help marketing them. And initially, because of my infomercial background, I thought, oh, great, we'll create another infomercial and we'll put it on television. It'll be great. The downside of that is that television is very hard to make work, and you've also got to have a lot of money up front to buy Mm -hmm. media and telemarketing and fulfillment and things of that nature. So we tried a few things with her DVDs, and it didn't work. So we moved towards the you know the internet side of things. I had always heard that oh, you can spend little amounts of money on things like Facebook or Mm -hmm. Google AdWords and things of that nature, and you can make it work. And I had tried that, but had never had. Really, any success? But I was I was eager to make these work because I felt like they really appealed to a certain demographic of people. Um, we just had to find that person. When you when you advertise on TV, it's such a throw it to the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, but because media is so expensive that makes it very difficult to work. So we were excited about being able to you know put this on the internet. I tried. No success when, when we first started.
1: okay before I want I want to dive into that before you did that and you were still doing the TV, what kind of you know what kind of money are we are we talking about here that you were spending and seeing little to no results?
2: Well, a, a typical television campaign to mm-hmm. get just even to test, you'll probably want to spend ten to $15,000 in your, in your first test. Yeah. And that will let you know if there's potentially something there. Okay. Now, 10 or 15 years ago, you could do that and expect multiples of maybe two or three with respect to the media you put in. Nowadays, most of the advertisers on television are expecting a one to one multiple or sometimes even less because mm. they have a big retail back end that can compensate them for that media you know, that they're outlaying. So it really takes the little guys out of the equation. You'll notice that a lot of the infomercials and direct response television spots on television right now are from big brands and people with very, very deep pockets. So the little guy like me, or probably a lot of the people listening to this really don't have a chance to make television work anymore with their own funding. Now they could go to someone else and partner and so forth, but they'll be left with maybe a small royalty or things like that. Sure. It, it's very hard to make television work anymore unless you're, you know, got very, very deep pockets.
1: Sure. So that was the first platform that you went after, Facebook? Because you mentioned once you went online, it really didn't work for you. Uh,
2: I I actually did some Google AdWords. Okay. I tried to make that work and I did some YouTube, YouTube ads. But you've got to remember is that I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I felt like I'm, you know, very proficient from a television marketing standpoint. And I yep. think, well, those you know, traits and so forth will carry over and they really didn't. Yeah. You know, Google AdWords, particularly the inability to define a market. So when I was listening to I, you know, some podcasts and, and really figuring out how to define an avatar and things of that nature, I thought, mm-hmm. well, this could really be it because her, her body groove workouts really appeal to a certain person. They're yeah. kind of like the opposite of a P90X or something like that. It's really hardcore. Yeah. So I had to figure out how I could find that person through advertising. It wasn't television. It didn't seem to be uh, Google AdWords. And I just didn't know enough about YouTube to make that work either. So that's when I really started investing the time in listening to uh, podcasts and seminars and reading as much as I could with Mm -hmm. respect to internet advertising. My guess is very much like a lot of people that you deal with every day. They're trying to figure it out and make their product work.
1: Gotcha. So, how I'm curious. Do you do you recall kind of the budget that you spent to test out on both AdWords and and uh, on YouTube?
2: I think it was a couple hundred bucks. It wasn't okay. very much. So, it wasn't um, a lot. No, it could have been up to a thousand, but it, it was. It wasn't a, an, an enormous amount. And after I'd spent, you know. Couple hundred or a thousand dollars. It was like okay, I'm not getting any sales. Yeah. Um. And it was it was twofold. It was kind of coming to the conclusion that I just didn't know what I was doing, and I didn't want to throw good money after bad. Yep. And it was almost like putting the brakes on or putting pause, and saying to myself, okay, before I go out and spend more money, I've got to figure this out. I've got to invest the time into learning and understanding yep. and becoming proficient in this. I felt it- like I could do it. I just didn't know how.
1: And when you said in this, was it sort of online marketing in general? Or were you like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now tackle Facebook, but I'm first going to need to learn the basics of what I'm doing and what to, what I, like how to test different things out on Facebook. Or was it, you know what? Things didn't work on AdWords and YouTube. I didn't really know what I was doing. So I'm, I want to learn more about that to go back and test more of that.
2: It's more the latter. I wanted to learn everything. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to <laughs> Facebook. I'd obviously heard of Facebook as this, you know, mecca per se of, you know, internet marketing. But it was, I think, uh, you know, everything. I I tried to look up some of the people that I knew to be, you know, successful in the space. Mm -hmm. I I tried to watch everything from like a John Benson or, you know, from yourself, from Mm -hmm. Amy Porterfield, all of these types of gurus that, you know, that I'd seen all over the place, Mm -hmm. uh, people from ClickFunnels. And I just tried to digest as much as I possibly could, not really understanding or knowing Rather, you know, do I go out with a video sales letter? Do I have a sales page form? How do I do all, you know, how do I put it all together with yep. what I really lacked? Okay. And, uh, and, and so that was where I was at initially.
1: Got it. So once you, once you sort of went back to the drawing board and was like, all right, I'm going to start to learn and teach myself some things. What was the, once you did that, what was the next step that you took? Once you felt like, all right, you know, I have a, I have a, I have a you know, a better understanding and, and of, of how I'm going to approach this and things I'm going to test out. What was that next step for you?
2: Well, I think it was coming to a realization that the product I had would only work or be successful to a certain kind of person. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like we had determined that Facebook was the best option for us to identify a particular customer, you know, by going down and trying to find out habits and likes and things of that nature. Yep. So, so the first step was really determining that, okay, if it's going to work, it'll work on Facebook. And then it was then coming up with the ads and so on and so forth to kind of make that happen, which is a complete, you know, undertaking in and of itself. Sure, sure. You you know, when you're first starting this whole idea of an ad group or an ad set or a campaign, it just, it can be confusing. And there's a little bit of a learning curve. But once you hit that threshold or, you know, it's all, you're good to go.
1: I'm curious, uh, Jared, did, did you ever feel during this time, you're like, because you were learning it, you were testing it out, you were, but then you said, you know what, I do need to learn more about this myself to, in order to do this. Did you have an intention of um, outsourcing it to somebody else but, and, and you felt like, you know what, but I need to learn this a little bit first? Or were you like, you know what, I'm just going to give this a go myself?
2: No, it was definitely the latter. Okay. it was it was I'm gonna do this and do it myself. okay you know uh, one of the things that over the last fifteen years having produced you know dozens and dozens and dozens of infomercials, you know and seeing the the money that's there when you have your own product, I've always wanted to be the person that has their own product and this was one of many products that I had, but felt like the one that was the most ready to go. Mm-hmm. So the thinking was I would always learn this myself in order to be able to apply those principles to all of the products.
1: Got it. Got um, it.
2: And then, and, and, you know, and eventually getting down the line involving Ethan was a completely, you know, unexpected turn that has worked out to be one of the best things that could have happened.
1: Sure. So once you, so you decided to start on Facebook, learn the, uh, learn the targeting and so forth. And you said, you know, creating the images and the videos was a whole different, a uh, whole different beast in itself. What types of ads did you start to kind of go out of the gates with to start testing out?
2: well we had two primary ads yep. we put some visual images up with some you know captions and headlines and so forth and we also took some of the actual workout videos and put them directly on as a facebook ad so that people could see what they were getting now as mentioned misty is so unique and so charismatic in my opinion that people either gravitated to her very quickly
1: mm-hmm.
2: and loved her or they dismissed it which i found you know, from a marketing perspective is great. You want that polarization almost. You want people to have an intense reaction. So we found with respect to the videos that people would watch them and eventually, you know, that would turn into the success. But there was one thing in before that where we almost gave up on everything before we ever really figured out if it could work or not.
1: What was that? It's a cliffhanger, man. It's
2: a cliffhanger. (laughs) So we had decided we'd run with some Facebook ads. And we had determined, you know, budgets, 50, 100, 150 bucks a day, something along those lines. And it just wasn't working. And it was right at that time. And this is props to you, Rick, we had heard one of your podcasts. And it said, very simply, you've got to let Facebook figure it out. You've Mm -hmm. got to let that algorithm do its work. Yep. So rather than just cutting it completely. And chopping it off was really probably more from my background. From a television standpoint, if it doesn't work the first day, you're done. You know, uh, okay. If it, if it doesn't show immediate signs of life, it's yep. rare that it comes back to life. Now, not always, but usually. So after the first day or so of running some ads and not getting the traction that we wanted, we figured, well, this is a bust. And we were quite ready, literally, to move on to the next product and just to not even pursue this, which would have ended up being a huge mistake. Yeah. So you mentioned on one of your, your podcasts, let it do its thing. So we just were patient. And I want to say maybe day three or day four, we started to get some sales. And we started to uh, pay for our advertising. We thought, well, maybe there's something here. Mm-hmm. And I think after the first week, it was starting to be profitable. So with that we just started to increase our budget slowly and slowly and slowly to the point where we went from 100 bucks a day to $3,000 a day and uh it turned into a real business.
1: Two questions about that. I love the fact that you're you, you heard this you're like oh okay let me let me let me try this out and see how it works. First question there is At what point were you shutting ads off? Was it within that first day or so, like first twenty four hours? You know, this isn't working. I'm shutting it off.
2: Yeah, typically it was. Okay, it would be one, maybe two days. You know. Okay. uh, Just thinking that if it works, it works. People see it. Not understanding the behind the scenes mechanics that Facebook's doing with their algorithms and trying to find the right customer and building upon that. You know, a little bit of impatience, a little bit of like, you know,
1: everybody has it, man. Yeah.
2: You know. (laughs) A big part of it, though, is really believing that it could actually work, you know, because yep. when you haven't had the success and you hear the stories like the ones that you talk about, mm-hmm. you're always dubious. You're always skeptical. Well, that worked for them, but can it really work for me? So the the cutting it off, it's almost like this, like, well, it didn't work. You yeah. know, what does he know? Right. That it ended up working,
1: and so this, so these ads, they were going directly to from ad to perch, like to sales page, right? For them to like the product page to buy, is that correct? Yeah,
2: this was completely cold traffic. Yep. directly to a sales page and asking for an order.
1: And how much? And what was the what was the cost of the uh, of the order?
2: Well, it, there's two. The, we had a streaming service for the the routines at twenty eight dollars. Okay. And we had a DVD available for $39. And there were, you know, five different routines. It was about two and a half hours worth of uh, exercises and so forth. Um, And we we learned along the way. At first, we didn't offer DVDs. We learned along the way that people still have DVD players, right? They still want a physical product. Do people still watch DVDs? Right? (laughs) Uh, They really do. At least you tested it to find out, right? (laughs) But it's more than just a test. It it not only took us by surprise, it upped our conversion. It upped our, you know, average order size. And now probably 80% of all the people that buy, buy the DVD. Wow. Something that we never would have thought of.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. I love that. So, all right. So you made this change. You let the algorithm do its thing. You kept waiting. Now you started to see uh, some sales come in. Now you were paying for your advertising. You start scaling from there. Um, so at what point does Ethan come into this? And then I also know that you mentioned before that you ran into an issue with Facebook from a, from a policy perspective. So what happened there?
2: Right, so once we started to get a little traction with Facebook, yep. uh, Ethan was introduced to us. I talked to him, and he sounded like a great guy, knew what he was doing. But I still had that "oh, I'll do it on my own" type of mentality, if yep. you will. So we started scaling. We got up to a thousand dollars a day, uh, to two thousand dollars a day, and then to three thousand dollars a day. For, which for us, for this little campaign that you know we were ready to throw away, this was mm-hmm. really happening. You know, we were generating you know two and three times the sales number off of that media. So we were, we were really happy every day. It was just, you know, like clockwork. Then one day we come in and we go to check our you know, Facebook page and, uh, you know, the, the business manager and it says you're shut down. You know, y- your ads are not delivering. You cannot do this. You're, yeah. you're out of the game. Hmm. And the tricky part about it is we didn't have a Facebook contact. It's very difficult, or it was back then, I don't know if it's changed or not, it was difficult to try to even get a response. Yeah. So you've gone from spending a few thousand dollars a day and having you know, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of sales to absolutely nothing with no recourse. Right? Yeah. No idea as to, okay, what was so offensive about my ad? What did I do wrong? And why would someone come in or some computer system just completely shut everything down based on something that I've done. Because I'm really trying not to be offensive or do anything wrong like that. And it was very frustrating. It was like, okay, where do we go from here type of thing. So that's, that's where we what we ran into, we got shut down.
1: Was it the sort of like the blanket statement that Facebook gives to just, you know, as far as policy goes, there wasn't anything specific as to um, them describing what you were doing or what had what they what you had done wrong?
2: Yeah, it, it was it was almost like a generic form letter. You yep. have violated our advertising Got it. policies, okay? But with no real indication as to what we had done. Sure. So we're scrambling, trying to think. Okay, what did we put out here? You know, was it the ratio of people that like to dislike? Was it the negative feedback versus positive? We had no idea. Yeah. You know, so we're trying to go through messages and just trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Now. It was at this point, I'm like, well, I talked to this one kid, not kid, man, Ethan, uh, recently. <laughs> I say that because I'm so much older. <laughs> I'm still a kid. It's all right. <laughs> um, we had talked to him. Let me reach out to him and see what's going on. And yeah. he was able to use his contacts to figure out why you know, we got shut down. And he was able to figure out that we had used the word you in uh. a title. And it was something like, do you hate to exercise? Yeah, And that was flagged as being offensive. Something fairly benign. You would never think of that as being, you know, kind of remotely offensive. But, you know, according to their advertising policies, we had used that word. uh, We had used the word you. Yeah, And uh, subsequently, our account got shut down. Now, the frustrating part about this is that there seemed to be no recourse. There was nothing we could do. And when was this again? Uh, I would say June. three months ago. Yeah. Maybe beginning of June. Is that right, Ethan?
1: Oh, okay. So we're recording this the middle of October. So fairly recently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Got so it. we had a couple of choices. Okay. We start again. And by that stage, we'd figured out that, okay, Facebook takes a little time to get acclimated to what you're doing. Yeah. Start all over again. We've got to, you know, Facebook has to relearn all of that stuff. And it was at the time where now we were starting to get more confident in our own abilities to do things. We wanted to expand and look for products, which is what we have always wanted to do in the first place is to have, you know, multiple products. And it just seemed to make sense to bring on Ethan at that time to not only rescue us from, you know, having our account shut down, but to also to start to manage it. We had, I felt like we had reached a level to where we had a good understanding of it but could really benefit from someone that had an yeah. expert understanding of it. Sure. So we called Ethan. He got in contact with his people within a few days. They had the account set back up, um, and we were back up and running. And it took just a, I would say, a week or so to kind of get back to where we were, or maybe two weeks to get back to where we were, and then to grow and grow from there got to it. the point where now Ethan does all of the ads. He does all of the, you know, he kind of runs a bias and we kind of approve it. Uh, but he's very fairly autonomous with respect to what he's doing and getting great results. And it has allowed us, you know, kind of getting back to your question from before, did we ever think we would use someone from the outside? Yeah. No, but the advantage of it is that we don't have to worry about it as much. It's freed us up to now pursue other things to create yeah. more videos, to go out and get more contact, to try to get more products, which we're you know actively looking for. So things like that.
1: Absolutely. So, Ethan, did you have uh, did you have contacts within Facebook? What were the and you don't have to give away all your secrets. And, but but people often ask, you know, what is the best way if God forbid my account gets does get shut down? How do I do that? And you know, these days they do give you you know, there are links that you can use to, you know, to follow up with them and really persistence and understanding, trying to understand what you did wrong to let them know, like, hey, that's, you know, that's the problem or, or that's the, uh, I understand that that's what um, happened. What was the action that you took?
3: Yeah. So, um, luckily I, I actually had been assigned a, a private Facebook rep just based on the amount of spend that we, we manage, Yep. already. And, and so the first thing I did was I I dove into the ad account, just like, you know, Jared had been doing and was just looking through and, you know, I saw that they had been using you or your, you know, which maybe could be something. And it's not that you can't ever use you or your, but the main thing is when you're running ads, Facebook doesn't want you to, to poke at a pain point that anybody might have. Right. Especially in the fitness field. Yeah, exactly. And so like Jared had mentioned, we had a headline that says, you know, do you hate advertising? And if you have exercising, uh, exercising, my death, advertising, we're about
1: <laughs> nobody hates cool. advertising.
3: <laughs> and so if you have the word you, you know, the algorithm is already kind of looking at it as this poking at a pain point. And then if you have the word hate in the same headline, it just throws up a big red red flag on Facebook's automatic kind of disapproval thing. And so the first thing I did was, you know, I, I kind of looked through it and thought maybe it's these things, but you never know for sure. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got on the phone with my rep and I said, Hey, will you go over this account with me and just see if there's maybe something I'm missing or if there's any notes on the back end that you can see and things like that. And um, you know, he, he went through it and he said, you know, I I can't see anything out of policy besides what you're saying is, you know, the the worst of the use of you and, you know, hate and and those things may have flagged something. Um, He's like, I can't turn it on. Like we have no power there. Um, but I think if you, you know, kind of go through chat and tell them you think it's these reasons why it got turned off and that you you're going to change and remove all those, um, you may be able to get it turned back on. And so, you know, a lot of people I know get their account turned off. And I think their first thought is, oh, my gosh, I wish I had a private rep so that mm-hmm. I can get it turned back on. Yep. The truth is, um, you know, the rep helped me in this situation where it was just a second set of eyes. Maybe if I couldn't have identified those things, he would have told me and then I could have gone somewhere else to get it turned back on. But he, he wasn't even the one that was able to turn it on. Yeah. So if you are in a situation where your account's turned off, um, my biggest recommendation would be to go to Facebook's help center. And at the very bottom, you know, you can open a live chat during their business hours. Um, and I would just open a live chat and say, Hey, you know, our, our account's disabled. I just want to understand why it got turned off. So I don't do it again in the future. That's kind of always the approach I take is, Hey, yeah. I want to just understand. Cause I want to be a good advertiser on your right. Yep. And then you can get some more information yep. and, and that opens a dialogue where you can say, okay, well, since it was something as small as, you know, using these two words, we, you know, we understand we made a mistake what if we remove all those words? We, we don't do it again. Is there any way we can get it turned back on? And just kind of, you know, keep asking those questions and and be as, you know, uh, I guess just take as much accountability and just be as as willing to change as yeah. possible. Yeah. And and that's really the process that I took is because, yeah, my rep said, hey, these are probably it. But then once I, I got in that chat, you know, I, I talked with them for an hour or so. And, and after the hour said, hey, I'm going to, she said, I'll submit it. Um, see if I can get it approved by management to, to get turned back on. And then a few days later, we got a message back saying that um, if we changed all those things, they would, they would turn us back
1: on. Yeah, that's awesome. I, it's, it's one of those stories that, you know, especially late the, lately over the past few months, we're hearing more and more about this. Facebook has you know, 5 million advertisers on the platform. It's become more competitive. They've, very, you know, they've really cracked down on making sure the advertisers are following their policies and so forth. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people are running into not a lot, but, you know, people are running into where their accounts are getting shut down. But if you just like you you just described it really, really well, Ethan, as far as, you know, if this happens to you, one of the best things that you can do is follow up with them, be persistent in a good way. But, you know, coming at it from a perspective of, look, you know, I think this is why this happened. I understand it you know if we you know this is not going to happen again if we make these changes and so forth, um, one of the big frustrations for people is not everybody has that chat option on that help page, and I'll link the link I'll, I'll link the uh, resources page, the help page. There's a support community, an email. Option and a chat for most people. Um, If you don't like, as as you mentioned, Ethan, the chat is available during uh, during uh, their business hours. So if it's like the middle of the night, it's not going to be available. And my understanding from um, my recent my recent Facebook ad rep is that those people who are spending on a consistent basis have the chat option. You know, but I've seen kind of both. You know, both things happen there as far as accessibility to that goes. But uh, definitely check it out. Again, I'll link it up in the show notes for the episode here today. The other thing that I've that I've found that works really well is you can ask um, the rep to call you um, or the person who's helping you, I should say, on the other end of that chat. Um, I've done that before. I've gotten great. Like they call you within 24 hours, and now you're speaking to somebody from Facebook who can actually, um, well, hopefully, help you out. With that. So, Ethan, once you get the account turned back on a few days later, what was sort of the first step that you did? Because uh, Jared was spending what, about $3,000 or so per day. What was one of the first things that you did once you get back into that account?
3: Yeah, so, um, you know, one of the big things, and Jared's kind of touched on it as he was saying, you know, he let it run for a few days when he first started, and then Facebook started to figure out you know, what it was doing and targeting. And so the reason that that happened is all of our ad sets were, you know, our conversion optimized ads. Yep. Our conversion we're optimizing for is a purchase. And so what happens when you, you know, the reason you let it run is because you need to fire some purchases and you're seeding that Facebook pixel, right? You're kind of giving it some data so that it can say, okay, these people purchase, let me show the ad to more people to purchase like this. Well, the problem that we ran into when the ad account got shut down and it's it's almost the same as you going and turning all your ads off, right? Mm, and yep. when you do that, you reset all your pixel data on those ad sets. So um, essentially we it was awesome we got our, our ad account back on and it, we have you know some of that previous pixel data there. So it has it's better than starting from scratch, but all of our ads that we're running are no longer optimized. Yeah. So we were kind of at the not square one, but you know, step two where it's like, okay, well let's come in here, remove all the ads that we know, you know, use you or your, or anything that could be, you know, on that line. And then we got to start all brand new ad sets. And we probably are going to be spending a little less than $3,000 a day to start again, just so that we can reseed our pixel. Mm-hmm. And so I think maybe we, we started out spending across multiple ad sets. We started out spending maybe like 1500 bucks a day. Okay. And every day I was coming in and I was just, I was You know, creeping budgets up, about 20% per daily budget on each ad set, Um, maybe adding in new ad sets that we thought, different interests, just so that we could get pixel data flowing again in there and and just reseed everything really well. Um, And like Jared said, it took us about a week to two weeks to get right where we're back at doing $3,000 a day inside of our our KPIs that we wanted to keep. And, And then from there, we were able to just keep scaling. But it was a matter of Almost relearning and receding that pixel once we got it turned back on.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really important point that you bring up is that you know when when we shut our let's call it so if we're if we're running our campaign, a lot of people ask me. You know, I say uh, I ran this campaign you know three months ago, had great results. It just stopped. Well, I want to reactivate it now. Can I expect the same results? And the answer, like I, maybe. But we don't know because you've taken, you know, you've taken the, that the campaign out of the algorithm, essentially out of the flow. Things are very different on the platform now than they were a few months ago, or whatever that last time was. And as you mentioned, Ethan, like the data that the, the pixel was receiving, it hasn't in a few months, so it's like restarting that whole process all. Um, all over again. From a targeting perspective and sort of a setup perspective, you mentioned when you were first getting the pixel going back again, getting that data going flowing again, uh, you were spending about $1,500 over, over, you know, over the different ad sets. About how many ad sets were you running? Um, probably about 10
3: or so. We'd, spend, okay. we'd start our ad sets with you know, a daily budget of $100 to $150 or so.
1: Okay. And these are cold audiences? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Were you, are, are you doing any kind of warm audience? I mean, because you're running videos here. Um, mm-hmm. Was it, well, actually, I'm assuming, Is was it video ads plus image ads or was it just video ads? Yeah. So Jared was doing
3: both. Um, I would say that it was probably a little heavier weighted towards image at the very beginning. And then once he saw that videos were working good, spend started to push through videos more. So, we did have some, some decent audiences of being able to do, you know, people who watched 50% of the video, 20%. Yep. Since we did get that account unbanned, we, we were able to set up some retargeting mm-hmm. um, audiences and things. So, as far as that goes, those are really the only warm audiences we had since we're not collecting any emails or anything in our flow. We're going straight to a purchase. The yep. emails when somebody purchases. So, we basically set up some retargeting for the sales page some retargeting for the checkout page people you know who abandoned cart essentially yep. and, and some retargeting on video views of the, you know the ads that we were pushing and things okay. outside of that though everything was cold audiences and to be honest you know we're maybe able to spend between 750 to uh, you know at this point 750 to like fifteen hundred dollars a day on warm audiences the rest of the stuff we have to do cold audiences to keep feeding those warm audiences right they uh, yeah they'll get a high frequency if we don't start filling them back up some more
1: were the warm audiences converting for you
3: yeah, yeah they were they were converting okay. really really well um, cool so you know the video views is an awesome you know warm audience that I think a lot of people still don't utilize to yeah um, and so that's definitely something that we use a lot. It's
1: Were there, you mentioned like the 25%, you know, people viewing at least 25%, what, did you, have you found, are you testing the different percentages there to find out which one's converting the best for you?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So we, I'll, I'll run split tests on a lot of them. And, and a lot of times what it comes down to is you kind of have to start depending on how much ad spend you're doing, right? We've ran so many video ads now that I can create an audience of people who have viewed 95% and yep. we still have like... A million people in it. Right. So, um, if, but if you're just barely starting out, you kind of have to start at the lower end of your funnel, right? You got to say, okay, 25% so that I actually have an audience of, you know, enough people to, to send some ad spend to it. Yep. So uh, I found that, you know, the higher viewed percent, the, you know, lower CPA that we can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I want to, you know, I can still stay within my KPIs, even if I'm doing like a 25%. And so okay sense to say, okay, let's hit them at 25%, let's hit them at 50%, let's hit them at 75%, and let's hit them at 95%. Sure, We know they're super qualified once they get up there and, and the numbers kind of all work out
1: together. Yeah, it's a great point there as far as when people are just starting out, you know, to gain some momentum to start with that 25% on the video view. So for anybody listening, we're not like, it was like, what are, you, what are they talking about right now with the video? We're talking about video engagement audiences. So you can create those audiences of people based on how long they're watching your video, whether it's a Facebook video ad, whether it's a Facebook live on your page, whether it's a video on your page, you can create these engagement audiences of uh, based on how long people are watching these videos, 25%, 50% and so forth. And how big, I'm curious, Ethan, how big are the audiences that you, so you're doing about 10-ish ad sets, mostly are cold. How big are the audiences that are, that we're talking about here?
3: Yeah. So they, they kind of have scaled over time and that comes with the more data that you're able to feed into your pixel. And, you know, the more recent it is, the bigger you can kind of make your audiences. Yep. Because at that point, the Facebook pixel is able to go out and hunt. So right when we got our ad account turned back on, since we we're kind of reseeding things, our audiences probably sat between like 2 million to 3 million. I tried okay. to get a little, um, you know, broad enough that the conversion pixel has enough people to work with, but also not so narrow that our CPMs are cost per, you know, a thousand views was crazy high. Yeah. Um, and now that we're spending more money, we have audiences that, we try to, you know, the bigger we can make it almost the better it works for us because we have so much pixel data on there. So we have some yeah. that are 7 million, some that are 12 million. A lot of European countries will just target the entire country, like women over X age, things like that, just because we know based off of the data so that we've gotten in Facebook that, hey, women over 45 are, are prime buyers, you know? Yeah you know, these European countries that maybe have a smaller population will just go Broad, and we have enough pixel data in there that Facebook's just kind of going in and, and hunting out those people that are, are perfect for our product.
1: You bring up a really good point here, and this is a really key thing to everybody, every to guys who are, are listening right now. What Ethan's saying here, this is another example, number one of the larger audience sizes that it's kind of it's kind of shifted over the past several months. The 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 quote unquote ideal audience size is larger now, right? And the reason for that is because the algorithm has gotten so smart. And as, as Ethan mentioned here, they can make it work with these larger audiences like 6 million plus because they have so much data on the pixel. The pixel has learned the type of people who are converting, who are buying here so that the, the, the algorithm can go find them. They, as as Ethan's saying, hunting these audiences, the algorithm will go find other people within these large 6 million plus audiences who are just like the people who are converting. And so this is a really, really good point in that we, you know, unless you're a local business, right, where we, we can't even get close to, say, a million, you know, for example, just do the best that you can. But if your uh, product or your service or your business is going to be relevant to a larger audience, go for that larger audience, meaning like 800K, 1 million plus to, to try to reach those, uh, to try to give the algorithm more data to to work with was there anything else Ethan that you that you started to doing that you found that was you know was working really well there yeah so um, you know that's one of the
3: big things that's happening and, and I I like to call those changes like the meta on Facebook is changing mm-hmm, right. things yep. that are working are changing and so that bigger audiences is is a, is a big meta right now and then I think another one um, that a lot of people maybe either forget or just are not utilizing is lookalike audiences yep. are amazing right now. Yep. So, you know, any, regardless of whether it's this product or, you know, I'm selling an info product or, you know, trying to get webinar registrants, my whole goal with any brand new thing is, okay, let's maybe interest target to start so that we can build up and seed our pixel but then let's utilize any audiences that we can create off of that and create lookalike audiences from. So for example, we were talking about those video views. So a huge thing that's working for us now is we'll do lookalike audiences off of people who have viewed 95% of our videos. So we'll do, you know, um, we started out with like 2% lookalike, you know, audiences in the U S but going along with what we talked about now, we do like five or 6% lookalikes because yep. we want a bigger audience and we have enough pixel data. We do lookalikes off of all of our purchases. We do lookalikes off of our, you know, um, initiated checkout or, you know, abandoned cart kind of visits. We do lookalikes off of our sales page visits and we just test all those lookalikes. Um, we still do a lot of interest stuff because it's such a broad, um, the amazing thing about this product is it's, you know, Jared was talking about if it's, it gets in front of the right person, they buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's true. And the nice thing about it is our right person is broader than a lot of other um, products. You know, for us, our right person is basically women over 45, you know, 35 to 45 who have some interest in any sort of kind of physical activity. And so there's a lot of different things that we can do there. It's like, hey, let's interest target yoga. Um, yeah. We'll just trim that down by women who are over 45 plus. Let's interest target maybe um. Zumba or, you know, health and fitness or whatnot. And so we'll still do some of those and we'll keep those really broad, but the lookalike audiences is, is really to feed those. That's yep. the only reason we're doing a lot of those interest ones. that's the main goal.
1: Yeah, I love that you bring that up. This is another example where Facebook wants us to build these custom audiences as quickly as possible so that again, the algorithm has gotten so smart so that we can create these lookalike audiences and Facebook can go find other people on Facebook, with similar attributes as the people who are taking whatever action it is that you're creating the audience from. So whether it's watching the video or purchasing or you know visiting the page, whatever it might be, the faster that you can create these lookalike audiences. And Ethan, you made a really good point there. You know, test those larger size lookalikes. Forever, we were only doing the one percent, right? And it would get that two point one ish million people. But you know, in addition to doing that, don't be afraid to test. And again, this again. Ethan, you bring up a good point. As far as your audience is very broad, so it works for you guys. But and again, so if anybody's listening who has a product or service that's going to be relevant to that type of scale of an audience, don't be afraid to go up to that two, three, four, five percent, you know, lookalike audience. And again, you said up to six percent. Don't be afraid to go up to those larger audiences because the greater the the percentage there, the obviously the larger the audience that you're going to have i'm curious what you're seeing and running into in the in the way of uh, overlap audiences any kind of audiences that are overlapping that's a big thing on the platform right now that's that's really killing a lot of people's um campaigns like they can be going along for a while and then all of a sudden like delivery just drops and and one reason that can be causing that is is audience overlap are you seeing any issues there
3: yeah, we, we see some issues, but um, luckily, I think Facebook is noticing this as well. And, and they've actually made, at least from what my rep has told me last time I was talking to him about it, mm-hmm. they've made some changes on how their algorithm handles um, really overlapped audiences if you're bidding on them in the same ad account. So if I had separate yeah. ad accounts, this, this would be different. But let's say um, I have two lookalike audiences and they overlap about 50%. So, you know, half the people in each one are, are the same. Um, what they're, what my rep was saying for me is, all right, if you set those up in different ad sets in your, you know, your own ad account and you're bidding on them, um, what the algorithm is going to do is it's actually going to identify that overlap now. And then it's going to just split that amount of people, into each one. So you're not bidding against yourself. So say they overlap 50%. And we'll just say that's 100 people just for the sake of easiness of numbers. Mm-hmm. It will take 50 of those people and, and put them, you know, delegated to one ad sets audience, and then the other 50 to the other. Right. Ad sets audience. So that being said, overlap can still kill you if you have you know, a hundred percent overlap, and your audience size is only fifty thousand people. Yeah, and now you're instead of you know bidding on a, a fifty thousand kind of reach, you're really bidding on a twenty five thousand, and maybe you have way too much budget in there for that, right? Yeah, yep. So the overlap hasn't really hurt our KPIs a lot because we are going on like really large audiences. That yeah. um, it's able to to with the budgets that we're running on each ad set, kind of keep it in in check. But one thing that I have to do is, you know, I'll hit caps on what I can spend effectively to stay in our KPIs on a certain assets audience, right? And and so I'm scaling budgets, and maybe that cap is at $500 a day, I notice that our KPIs start to go up really high once we're past $500 a day. You know, I I just realized, hey, that assets capped out, we'll leave it at $500 a day, maybe I'll play with some manual bidding or something to, mm-hmm. to, to bring it down. But Now I need to kind of expand if I want to expand our budget by finding some more audiences that don't have the overlap or things like that. Yeah. So it does play a role, but I think Facebook is getting better on how they handle it inside your own ad account.
1: Yeah. So when you're doing that, uh, so when you're you you brought up there that you reach a certain level of spend and you realize that, you know, against your KPIs, you're not seeing as good results. Let's just say you bring it up from 500, let's just say to 600 or, or, or whatever it might be. Are you letting that run a few days and then realizing that, you know what, these numbers are not working. Are you leaving? Are you just bringing that existing ad set back down to 500? Are you stopping it, starting something new? I guess I know that we're getting kind of tactical here at what we're doing, but Um, I think these types of conversations are, are, are beneficial for a lot of people.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll let them run for a few days, just like everything else, right? You don't want to make knee jerk decisions on Facebook, uh, you know, especially when you're optimizing for conversions. Um, so I'll let them run for, you know, a few days. If I see generally though, like I'm scaling budgets on a daily basis, right? I'll every 24 hours I'll come in. So if I come in and I see something, let's say I took one from 500 to 600 yep. and I see it's, you know, out of whack on our KPIs, I won't cut it off, but I won't scale the budget on it that day. Right. And I'll just let it, let it sit and see if, if it's going to bring itself back in. Yep. And if it doesn't after, you know, two to three days, I usually use trying to use three days history as, you know, my, my target. Yep. I'll bring it back down. I won't cut the ad set off because I already have so much pixel data in there. Yep. But if I cut it off and start from scratch, I'm almost you know restarting. Yep. So I'll say, hey, we were working good at 500. I'm going to bring this budget back down to 500 on this. It'll probably take about a day or so to reacclimate into that. But then I don't have to start from scratch on a brand new ad set and bring it back up to 500. Got it. Um, so... Waiting a few days, bringing them back down uh, to where they were kind of stable and, and inside our kPIs
1: yeah, I love that. Is there anything we haven't covered that you know you guys have seen really good success with or good good lessons that you've learned over the past? I mean great lessons there as far as you know w- what you what was going on before the account got shut down, the account got shut down, how you got it back on, and how you really scaled it back up to where you guys are today any any other lessons or things that you've learned along the way that we haven't really chatted about yet?
2: I don't think there's per se another lesson. I think the overarching lesson here is that, you know, obviously you can listen to Ethan talk and you can tell he's an expert straight away. Mm -hmm. He knows, you know, he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. Right. (laughs) So the lesson here is by delegating to him, I can focus on my core competency, right? I can focus on the copywriting and the emails and product development And the things that I'm really good at, not having to worry about the things that, you know, and let him focus on the things that he's really good at. And subsequently, collectively, I can be so much farther ahead than I would have ever been on my own. So I think all of these businesses get to a point where you've got to ask yourself that question. Can I continue to do it on my own? And if so, what's the the opportunity cost of that? Or can I hire an expert who can figure out all these retargeting options and these, you know, getting the percentage of the audience size here and how to go into different countries and, and the things that would take me forever to figure out and would prevent me from developing more on the product side. So that symbiotic relationship is really what's working out for us.
1: Yeah. I love it. Uh, and I'm glad you bring that up, Jared, because that is so important. A lot of people don't realize that, or they think that, you know what, I have to, I, I'm not going to do this myself because I don't have time to do it. You learn enough to be, you know, at least to kind of get the sense of what you were doing. Yeah. Maybe you weren't having the type of results that you had hoped for, but you got up to about 3000, you know, a day in spend and we're doing well and making money from it. And then, you know, it happened with your account, but then you realize that, you know what, probably time better spent. I can, I, you know, delegation or redelegation of resources here to somebody else who can handle this, who's an expert in this, and that I can focus on other things where I'm in my, you know, quote, unquote, zone of genius and other areas of the business and grow the business in those areas that, that I'm the best at and have somebody else take care of it. And, and to, um, it's a mindset that I, I, would, I wish more people had in how they're looking at their business. And, and I'm, I'm really glad, uh, Jared, that you didn't outsource it right away, that you did go through that experience. And I mean, not of, of getting your account shut down, but you went through the experience of learning and, and testing it out yourself to see what you could do. You brought it to a point, you know, those things happen, and then you decided to delegate. But I'm glad that you were able to do that and you were willing to do that um, and thank you, by the way, for implementing what you were learning here on the podcast. Uh, I always love, I always love that stuff.
2: Well, the, the cool thing is, I, I like to just remind myself about this. That one decision has now generated millions of dollars in sales. Ah. That, that one little thing that we could have just easily pushed aside and said, "Oh, let's try the next one." Yeah, millions of dollars. You yeah, know, the thing that it. we're all really trying to accomplish. And and the thing about the account getting shut down, that's perhaps the best thing that could have happened. True. It has allowed me to, you know, focus on the other things and put it in the hands of someone that has been able to dissect this six ways from Sunday and, you know, really target opportunities that I don't think I would have personally been able to really figure out, at least in the short term.
1: Yeah, sure. Sure, guys. This has been great. Thank you so much for your willingness to to come on here and chat about this, uh, both Jared and Ethan. I want to make sure that people can connect with you um, if they want to reach out, ask questions, or or just connect in any way. What's the best uh, way for people to do that,
2: Ethan?
3: You go. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best way for me, um, if you know, people are interested in in talking about ads, things like that. Um, they can always kind of just schedule a call with me at my website. Um, and that's advengers.io. So advengers.io. Um, you can schedule a call there. If you just want to shoot me an email, you can always email me. The best email to, to email me on is ethan at advengers.io. Got it.
1: Okay, cool. And Jared?
2: And for me, probably the best thing is just to reach out to me via email. And my email is JaredEBentley at gmail.com. It's J-A-R-R-O-D-E Bentley, just like the car, B-E-N-T-L-E-Y at gmail.
1: At gmail. Okay, cool. I'll be sure to link those up on the show notes page for today's uh episode guys thank you again so much for coming on to uh to chat about this stuff this has been uh really interesting and i think that we've just helped a ton of people with this uh, case study and kind of how we work through issue how you guys work through issues and the success that you guys are having um so thank you again
2: well thank you very much for all that you're doing as well absolutely yeah, it's been really fun
1: All right. Hope you got a lot out of this one with Jared and Ethan today. I want to give a big shout out to everybody who is leaving a rating and review for the show over on iTunes. Really, really appreciate it. And as I mentioned uh, last episode, I want to start personally acknowledging those of you who are taking the time uh, to do it. Like Veronica Grant. Veronica writes... What did she write here? Love Rick. Five stars. I've learned everything I know about Facebook ads from Rick and Facebook ads drive the revenue for my business, I'm a relationship coach and consistently make between seven and ten thousand dollars a month, and only spend between four and five hundred dollars a month on ads. That's awesome, Veronica. Uh, if you want to get into Facebook ads, look no further. So, thank you so much uh, for that, Veronica. I really appreciate that, and thank you for everybody who has left a rating and review uh, for the show over on iTunes. It's a huge help. If you have not yet left a rating and review for the show. Um, like I mentioned, it is a big help and you'd like to support the show, please just take a second to do it. It really only takes about 30 seconds to uh, leave that rating and honest review for the show. Uh, thank you so much in advance for doing that. Really appreciate it. Also, before we head out here, if you'd like to win a 30-minute strategy session with me, I'd love to hear from you over on Facebook Messenger. All you have to do is give me your feedback on the podcast here. Uh, Specifically, I'd like to hear what you'd like to hear more of on the show, like things like topics, guests, style of the show, frequency of the show, length of the show, any ideas that you'd like to share with me, I want to hear from you. So to share your ideas and feedback with me, you can just message me over on Facebook, which is, I set up a link for you. It's rickmulready.com forward slash messenger. It'll pop your Facebook messenger and you can message me uh, right there. And when you message me with your ideas and feedback, I'm going to pick one person at random at the end of each month to win a 30-minute strategy call with me. And we can talk about your Facebook ads, growing your business, online marketing strategy, growing a team, whatever it is that you'd like to talk about. We can cover it during that 30-minute strategy call. So thank you so much in advance for uh, your feedback. That uh, feedback really, really means a lot to me. And I take all of that into account uh, for planning out the podcast here because I want to continually evolve this podcast and be providing the type of content information uh, and format and all that different type of stuff for you the listener, because this is why I do it. I do it for you. And uh, as always, thank you so much in advance for... Excuse me. Thank you so much for listening or in advance for listening to the show today. Uh, coming up next week, I do have another great episode coming your way. So as always, until then, keep testing your paid traffic to find out what works for you and your business, and then do more of what's working. And I'll see you in the next episode.